Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. And we are going to start off a series right now that is uh, called Jesus in a Bottle. And I'll explain what that means as, as we get going here. But I, I'm, I'm excited about this. is something that I've been writing on and wrestling with for, for a while now. And uh, now putting it down, and we're going we're gonna to walk through a series. Um, and it's really a, some of it around this. Anybody ever see Aladdin? Has anybody, I mean, it's a classic. If you haven't seen Aladdin, then you need to get a life or children, one of the two. Um, but it's, it, you know, we watched it a million times back. I think it's, it's pretty old now. But the story of Aladdin is, is pretty fascinating. And if you look at what the story was about, it kind of reminds me of some people. You know, Aladdin was, uh, he wanted to change his life. He wanted to find purpose. He was searching for this purpose, you remember? And he was a little squirrely, though. You know, he was content being a thief, but he was looking for purpose. He knew that he was chosen for something better. He knew there was something there. And then he discovers the genie in the bottle. Now, this isn't like the bottle, but this is for illustration purposes. This is my bottle. My, my uh, what, are the, what are those called? Uh, lamps. That, yeah, we're going with bottle. Okay, there, that's mine today. And he, he, he found this, and in that, he finds a genie. Now, what's fascinating about it is, is he, he takes his bottle and he rubs the heck out of it and asks for stuff all the time. All the while, what we find out at the end is he didn't want that stuff. He wanted relationship. Mm. He wanted relationship. Now, let me, let me, does that sound like anybody you know? <laughs> Looking for purpose, destiny. Always, you know, rubbing the bottle. Oh, if only this, if only this, if only that, then it'll be better. It's that little Jesus bottle that we have that we rub to make things better. You know what I'm talking about. In the next few weeks, I want to take us through some of these different topics. The natural and the spiritual, transactional Jesus, Jesus in the mundane, that should be a good one. What do we really deserve? Who am I? True gospel. Am I enough? Heal our land, healing our land, hope, and the power of, of, of one and blessed. Different things that we will wrestle through. I encourage you to be here every week. You guys just got a little nervous there, didn't you? Because... But it, I, I, I just feel like God's speaking something to us out of this. Now, here is the key that I want you to look at and, and really think about this week and actually through the next. Wanting the blessings Jesus provides is not the same thing as trusting in him. Let's say it again. I'm going to use the parentheses now. Wanting the blessing Jesus pr- provides. That's a transaction. Jesus, give me. I need a transaction here from you. <laughs> is not the same thing as trusting a relational aspect with Jesus. Two totally different things. But unfortunately, there's this thing in the church that has happened over time, and we've all done it. We've preached this Jesus in a bottle. And we've told people things like this. If you will accept Jesus and you will rub the bottle, you will have money and wealth. You ever heard that one? Yes. If you will just rub the bottle, that little Jesus that's in there will come and pop out and he'll take care of every one of your needs. 
I, gosh, I was thinking about it, and I look at it, and through, throughout my life, there was all these times of rubbing the bottle. And, and one that I remember that is so vivid in my mind was when I was playing hockey. And I had this relationship with Jesus that I was trying to foster and trying to be a Christian. And, and, and gosh, I didn't play a lot, but I usually knew a day or two before when I was going to play, because the other goalie would play, and, and he'd need a rest. And, 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 and I tell you, this is what I would do. I would grab my Jesus bottle and I'd rub it and I'd say okay Jesus I need a transaction here and here's the transaction I'm not going to go out with the boys and drink hard tonight and go look for other women than my wife I'm not going to do that if you'll give me a good game this little deal, and then I, I, I imagine that the top would come up and Jesus, just like the genie, would pop out and answer my prayers. I've preached the gospel before. I remember certain messages that I preached that if you'll just believe, if you'll just stand and take it, God will give it to you. Come on. I'm not sure that that's always the right gospel to preach or if it's even true. See, the Jesus in the bottle gospel, we talked about this last week. What's the gospel? The good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The Jesus in the bottle gospel that we preach is a false gospel. It's not true. And I've, I've, I've watched Christian after Christian crash and burn because of this gospel that we've preached. Because when they went to the bottle and they rubbed it, and Jesus didn't answer their every little need, want, or whatever they thought... Who is this God then? And why would I serve him? Every little difficult time that came, every sickness, every death, every time you're broke, every time whatever, fill in the blank, and you rub it, and it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out. What do you start thinking? Where are you, God? That's right. It's a false gospel. Ah, You can't even see that, so I'm going to skip it. I just realized that when I looked, I looked at it. This thing keeps getting in my way. Gosh, the truth is I can't see it, so I'm going to skip it. Let's just be real. Uh, I, I want to, I need, I need, the, I get the glasses I can see here, but uh, thank you though. I appreciate it, Melvin. Uh, I want to, I want to show you an example of this, this, this is nothing new. This has been going on for hundreds, thousands of years. But I'm telling you, it's this mindset that shipwrecks so many people. It's this mindset that when we preach it from the pulpit and when we preach it as Christians in discipleship or whatever fashion, it shipwrecks people. Because it becomes a transaction. And the Jesus that I serve is not transactional. He's relational. That's right. No more than if this was a transaction, this thing I had with my wife. If it was all about, okay, Chris, it's Saturday night. You know what happens Saturday night? And that's the transaction I want to take place. And that's what I play. Come on, it took you guys that long to figure that out. That, that doesn't work. Right. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm sweating. You got me going. No, it's, it's a relationship. I try to love her well, and I don't always do that. In fact, I was a little bit of a jerk today, but it, 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 I don't always love her well. Did someone say shocker? Is that what you said? <laughs> Russ, keep your, your, your people in order, please. Jeez, it's tough over here. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. And my relationship with her is that. It's intimate. It's a relationship. And the moment that I start to think it's transactional, I'm in trouble. That's right. When I rub the bottle, Jesus, 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 I'm in trouble. 
Okay, this is what it says. John 6, 52. Love this story. It's, you, you know, Jesus, he likes to make you uncomfortable. Did anybody ever figure that out? Have you ever yeah. figured that out? Yeah. He draws these little lines in the sand. And he's like, okay. And he makes everybody just feel, oh, the, the, the gospel, the word of God is offensive. Yeah. It offends your very nature. Why? Because our sin nature is I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Yeah. And the, the Bible and the truth of the word says, no, 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 no. It's not how it works. Let's read the story of John 6. It says, then the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Sounds like he's talking about cannibalism. This is crazy. He's getting real gnarly right now. 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is the drink. Sorry. He goes on. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the, father, the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. It sounds really crazy, some of the things that he's saying. And in fact, as you're, you're sitting here today, you even go, if, you, you, if, you're not, if you're just coming into this relationship or wrestling with Jesus, and you hear something like that, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you start to think this Christian thing's getting a little cultish and weird. Yeah. But it's not. And let me show you what Jesus was doing and saying. Preach. You got to look at the whole, the totality of the scriptures and what's going on. See, before he said that, and literally right before he said that, what happened was this. He was doing incredible miracles. And he fed 5,000 people. Just pulled it up. Got the cook. My, I, I, I don't, you know, he multiplies the, the, the bread and the, and the fish. My son just got a little, uh, what is it, a little Coleman stove now. And because he, he, I don't know, he likes to surf. So why does he have a Coleman stove? He literally goes down the beach. And, and I came home the other day with it. And, and he's starting to run up butane already or whatever. I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, well, I made grilled cheese sandwiches for all the surfers today. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? He's down there surfing. He gets out and has, a, I guess, a sack of bread and butter and cheese and makes all the, and starts handing them out to all these surfers at Blackies. I'm like, seriously? I don't want to pay for all your surfer friends to eat grilled cheese. But Jesus is sitting there and he's feeding 5,000 people who are very hungry and they're looking to him. And then the next day, here's what happens. He feeds the 5,000 and Jesus realized something, that these people really want something from him, but not what he's selling. So at night, the boat pushes out with all the disciples to go across the lake to Capernaum. There's only one boat. And what happens when they wake up the next day, Jesus is in Capernaum. And the scripture says that literally he walked across the water. Crazy miracle. See, these, these Jews, they saw these miracles that Jesus was doing. He saw people raised from the dead. They saw people healed. They saw all these people eat, all these things. And Jesus decides to challenge their motives. Why do you follow me? It's, it's not unlike what should happen in church. Why do you come to church? Why are you here? To hear the great preaching? No. Sure. No. 
What, you know, looking at ourselves, what is our motive to be here? Jesus. Jesus. And he challenges their motives. And then what happens is many walk away from him. Many walk away. Look, look, Jesus had them. And the large crowds were following him, it says in verse 1, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. In verse 11 it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they want. He said, as much as you want. And we have this church that today in America, we say things like this, if you'll come down here, you will get healed. If you come down here, your finances will be taken care of. If you say the right prayer, everything will be good. In fact, if you pray the right way, you'll get the right woman or the right man or the right job, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that's what they thought these Jews were thinking. They're like, we like this guy. We rub this bottle called Jesus, and all of a sudden, everything's good. <laughs> I was thinking, as I was praying through this, um, gosh, that would be so much easier. <laughs> this last year, I just thought, God, if I could just have a bottle, and, and when things start to go, the last, gosh, three or four years, things start to go away that I didn't see, God, help me. About four years ago, man, I thought about this four years ago when we lost our house. I'm like, this would have been perfect if I just rubbed Jesus into that house and, and we wouldn't lose it. This would be perfect, this Jesus that I can transact with, that I can control. If I just rub it, maybe my, all my kids will be perfect and they will all go to Stanford and they will have a straight A's and they will make lots of money and leave my house someday. <laughs> not looking so good, but we're working on it. But if I just rub this bottle and Jesus come out, everything would be fine. That's what we've preached. It's what they thought, all these people in Capernaum. And then Jesus had to go and ruin everything. (laughs) He always does, you know. Gosh, if he wasn't God, I'd be ticked. But it, it just, it, it's got this, this is what he does. I mean, he's got them right where they want them. In fact, they say, we want to make this guy king. See, the Jews at that time were in this, the, the Roman Empire had their thumb on them. And if this guy that could pull all these side tricks, that could raise the dead, that could feed the, the people that didn't have any food, if this guy, maybe he's the king that could deliver us from this Roman Empire. And he says this in verse 26. Through 27, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate, you're filled of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Amen. See, Jesus says, okay, wait a second here. And he said it in my life, and he'll say it in your life. He said it, and you're either listening or you're not. But there has to become this truth. And it's, gosh, I, I, I wrestle with, I, I work with hundreds of churches. And the, one of the big things that, that we wrestle with is, is this, with these church planners that I work with that, that want to start church. So what's the number one question that they ask? How do I get a bunch of people in my church? How do I get all of these people? Um, and um, okay, I'll just say it, okay? Um, 
how you get all these people? Tell them what they want to hear. Let me qualify that. Let me qualify that. I'm going to be real careful here because there are great churches that are big. But when the heart of a pastor is this, I just want more people. Why? So I can have more giving. Why? So we can do what this building needs. Or why? So we can X, Y, Z, fill in the blanks. Let me be very, very clear here. I, what Mariners does in this city is fantastic. What Harvest has done in this, this nation, in this world is unbelievable. And there's thousands of people that go there. What, what, uh, what's the guy out, in, out there that's really big? Rick Warren, that guy. Yeah, that little church. What Rick Warren has done in the world is unbelievable, fantastic. I'll never be able to touch it, but that's not what I'm called to touch. And most churches are not. That's why 99% of the churches in America today are 100 or less. Did you know that? 100 or less. So one of two scenarios is going on here. Number one, either Jesus missed it. God messed up. Or number two, maybe he was looking for intimacy in church. Yep. See, the large church is the anomaly. It's the big thing. And that's fine. But 99%, it's like this, a little bigger than this. Why? Because there's relationship. You know why? I know when you're not here. I can actually call you. I know when you're sleeping. You think Rick Warren knows who's sleeping in that crowd? He's got so many lights shining in his face, it ain't happening. There's something about intimacy. It's interesting because then they were confused, it says. All these people have been following Jesus and they're all excited about the, gosh, we rubbed this bottle and Jesus is going to take us and give us. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden he, he, he messes everything up and they're confused. It says this in 28, 29. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? In other words, how can I rub this in a greater way to get what I want? How do I work harder? What if I give a little bit more? What if I come every Saturday night instead of two nights out of Saturdays out of a month? What if I pray a little harder? What if all these, Jesus, if I just do this, will you do what I need for me? Have you ever thought that? I, gosh, I, I did last week. I was, man, I was at, we went to a service with my son out in Ukaipa, middle of nowhere. And uh, uh, I, I had some, I just happened to have cash on me. And for me to have a, more, a few hundred dollars of cash, which to me is a lot, maybe not a lot to you guys. And I'm there, and, and you know, God said, give it all. Give it all. I said, well, I got, I'll, give, I'll give 100. That's good. They'll be all right. And God said, I know this just sounds trivial and trifling. It's, it's not. It's where you're at, you know? And I'm, I'm like, well, God, okay, if I do this, can you cover me on the back end? <laughs> oh, don't act like none of you have thought that. <laughs> Sinners. Gosh. And I begrudgingly took it off. And I went, I actually, they have a box up there, and you walk up and you put it in. I went with my son and, and did it, and he started flipping through. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, sorry, kid, not for you. It, it, we do it. Why were these people confused? says this in verse 15. Jesus, this is Jesus, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus could feel that something was about to happen. And what was about to happen is they completely missed who he was. 
They knew if he continued to do what he was doing, feeding them and raising the dead in this place and where they're at, they were going to come and grab him. They were going to march him down as king. And he said, you don't get what kind of king I am. You don't understand who I am as a king. I am the king of king and lord of lords, not the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of Capernaum, but the king of king and lord of lords. And you don't see it. Yep. And I sit and I go, God, if you'll just do this for me. And God goes, you don't understand. I'm the king of kings. Right. And you just want a crumb when you rub that bottle. But I want to give you everything. Right. Come on. Amen. Big difference. Big difference. Why were they confused? Because they saw the signs and wonders and they ate the fish and loaves. They had it. They had it. This is the king that would come to the rescue in their life. Not unlike us. When we look at him that way. Not unlike us. When we hope on him that way. How come this Jesus doesn't perform the way we want? 28, 29. And they said to him, what must we do? The scripture I read earlier. What must we do? Jesus, natural and spiritual. I'm going to preach on it in a few weeks. But when I take the natural life and I take the spiritual life, they run parallel to one another. And, 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 you know, my children asked me to do things and selfish ambitions and motives and all these things. And I listen and there's time. I just, I don't answer them. Or I say, no. And, and there's times that, that they, they, they mess up really bad. And, and, and they come to me and they want me to rescue and make it better. And, and I'm not perfect at this because I get sucked in so many times. But there's times I just go, no, you've got to feel the weight of this. Yep. You, you have to feel the weight. And, and I look at, at my life with, with God. And there's times and time again where, where I, I want to rub that bottle and say, God, rescue me. And God goes, no, I want you to feel the weight. And the weight of it is this, that I am the king of king and lord of lords. Good. And you can stand and trust me. Amen. Against what you feel, against what you taste, against what, what everything's coming in around you. And everything is crashing on you. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I am the king of king and lord of lords. And your marriage looks a mess, and your finances look a mess, and your relationships look a mess, and your job looks like it's a mess. And God says, can you trust me? Yeah. Jesus gave him the truth. Because at the end of the day, you know what I need? I need the truth. I don't like the truth. don't even necessarily want the truth. But I need the truth. So Jesus, seeing all this, says to them, it's really true I say to you, unless you eat of my flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood. You have no life in you. You have no life in you. He draws the line in the sand and says, okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we see if we're just plain Christianity or if we're going to step into the fullness of what I have for you. That's right. Um, gosh, statistic after statistic shows us that American Christians are just plain Christianity. And it's around this principle. If I just rub this lamp, I'm going to be all right. If I just tell Jesus and direct him where I want him to go, everything's going to be all right. It's true. And we've sold a false set of goods to people. And we wonder why we see this hordes of children, young men and women, and people falling away from Christ. The statistic, and I don't even know what it is now, but uh, that I read once that when they leave their home and they go off to college, that walk away is like 78%. Why? Because we've teached a, taught a gospel that's around Jesus will do what I want. 
as opposed to, I am the Lord, your God, your king. Completely different. See, for Jesus, eating was believing. Drinking is believing. So unless you eat of my flesh, unless you believe who I am, unless you you you, you drink of my blood, it's be, unless you believe that I can do what I say I'm going to do. Unless I am enough, he says, digest me, my power, my spirit, my hope, my grace, everything that we sang up there, the promises of God. He says, digest that. He says, eat upon my word, and I will be your hope. I will stand and walk you through it, and you won't need to rub the bottle. I'll bring peace and I'll bring contentment and your hope is not today. Your hope is future tense. It's when I come back someday and rule and reign. That's good. Come on, baby. Because I am Lord and I am God. Bring it. And the crowd took offense. He said, this is gruesome. This is, this is cannibalism. This guy's crazy. Just do what we want you to do. He says, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. There's some of you who do not believe. And today we have a church where this is so applicable. The word of God is life. It's life. But there's so many that don't believe. And eating and drinking, eating the flesh and drinking the blood is believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Good. Jesus says this. He says this three times here. Four, excuse me. He says, believe in me, verse 29. Believe in me, verse 30. Everyone who looks and believes, verse 40. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Not whoever rubs the bottle. Whoever believes that I will bring peace. Whoever believes that I can heal your family. Whoever believes that I can bring you through whatever you're going through. Whoever believes that I can restore your marriage. Whoever believes that I am the one who will sustain you. Come on. No one else. So what does Jesus promise? He's not the genie in the bottle. So what is he? What does he promise? He says this. I'll be with you. That's good. He never promises to heal you, although he says, pray that I might, you might be healed. Yep. He never promises that you'll be rich, but I don't think God has a problem with rich people who love him. Good. He never promises that you'll be successful the way you think you should be successful, but he has a purpose and a destiny for your life that's so much bigger than what you think it might be. True. If we could instill, if I could instill this in my kids, this identity, this understanding, this promise of God, they would be different. If we believe, if we believe, Jesus' promises are this, I am with you. Genesis 26, 24, the night that the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. What is he saying there? He's like, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He says, you have a family and the family of God that you belong to. There's an identity and that family is the family that God has put you in. When you come into a relationship with him, he said, you have security. There's something about, we love having family nights and game nights and the things that we do. There's something, my, my daughter who's, how old is she, 20 now, who has has her own baby and our grandbaby she literally craves this family time because there's something in the security of all of us being together and doing life together that's good and god says this to us i'm with you 
In Genesis 28, he says, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to the land, to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. God has a promise for you. God has a promise for you. We sang about it 20 minutes ago. God has a promise. You need to find what those promises are. And they come through his word. And when I stand on his promises, he reveals himself to us in the greater way. And I can get through the day. I can make it. And as I stood on those promises over the last year, two years of my life. It's like, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I can stand on who you are, which is peace, which is grace, which is understanding. Good. I'm sorry. I'm getting excited. I like it. It's good. Come on. Bring it on. He goes on and he says this, Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. She says, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. Fear is from the enemy. God does not give us a spirit of fear. He says, you don't have to be afraid. I'm, are you afraid of death? You don't have to be afraid because I am with you. Are you afraid of, of, of being broke? You don't have to be afraid because I'm... Are you afraid of your husband or your wife? You don't have to be afraid. I will bring peace. Come on. I am with you is what he says. And then in verse 28, he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of, the, of this age. And what he tells us to do is go. See, the Christians that live in this world of genie in the bottle, and they rub the bottle, and they, they're waiting for their, their genie to come out and answer their prayers, those Christians that don't get the prayers answered the way that they thought they should get answered are the ones who walk around and have no hope for the world. Because all their hope is in this mystic, magical Jesus that doesn't exist. But when you hope in the true Jesus, and it's not about rubbing the bottle, when I stand and believe and walk in peace, even when there's chaos everywhere around me, when I stand and believe God for what his word says, when I stand and I look and I, I go, God, I'm going to have to trust in you. And for me, over these last three, several years, it's literally waking up in the morning and go, I don't know what it's going to look like today, but I'm going to trust you. Speak it. Now let me be honest. As opposed to lying to you. <laughs> There's mornings I don't wake up and do that. Mornings I wake up and just go, screw it. Sorry. But I find myself more and more. Just wake up and go, okay. You said you're with me. And then when that, that, that lie comes from the enemy and says you're a loser or says you're never going to make it or this isn't going to happen or you'll never get over that or whatever the lie might be, I go, no, Jesus says I'm with you. Yep. And it's not that he changes all the situations, but what he does is he pulls me through the situation. Good. See, if we had a church that understood that and stood and believed and walked in that, you know what happened? Your neighbors would get saved. You know what happened? Your friends and your family members would get saved. Because they would look through your life and they go, how do you stand and believe? How is there any hope? Your life looks dire. Come on. But there's a hope and a joy and a peace that I have never seen. Because yep. I'm standing on Jesus. That's the truth. I'm standing on Jesus. What Jesus is not is a genie in a bottle. If that's what you've been sold, you were lied to. And I'm here to tell you this. If Jesus is your Lord, if you have accepted Jesus in your heart and have eternal relationship with him, I am telling you today, your life may not get any better. I can't make any promises. Now, having said that, I've, gosh, I've watched Jesus heal people. 
One of my best friends had asthma, played hockey with him, and he lived on an inhaler. And, 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 and we, we prayed, and we went, to a, we went to a healing service, I'm telling you. He went to camp the next year, completely healed. He went to go on the, the VO2 tests, and the trainer's like, where's your inhaler? He's like, I don't need any more. Jesus held, uh, healed me. And the trainer's like, you're an idiot. Go get your, and I am not going to be legally responsible when you die on this treadmill. He's like, I don't, you know, hey, I've watched God do miracles. But it's never, ah. let me be very clear though. I ask. I don't demand, I ask. And then I trust. Yep. God, I need you to deliver us. I don't even know what that looks like, God. But I know that you are King of King and Lord of Lords. Amen. God, I need your peace right now. And I, I don't know where it's going to come from other than you. And I know that you're King of King and Lord of Lords. So good. God, I need you. And Jesus says, I'm with you. It finishes right here with this, this end in John 6, 6, 66, 69. It says, after Jesus had preached this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. In other words, they'd seen all this stuff. And then Jesus draws a line in the sand. He's like, I'm not that. I'm a savior. I'm God. And many of them, it says, just turned and walked away. Why? Because they didn't know who he was. And then I love this. So Jesus said to the 12, you want to go as well? And, and, and Peter says this. This is the guy that denies Jesus three, three times. This is the guy that is just a mess like many of us. But Peter answers, he says this, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where am I going to go? Yep. I got nowhere to go. He says, you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed, have not come to know, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. God, I got nothing else for you. I can't promise you that your life's getting better. But I know this, that Jesus is Lord. He's right. And I know by his grace, I will love this woman the rest of my life. Yep. Not because of me, I'm an idiot. But by the grace of God, I will love her. By God's grace, I will finish this thing called life, well. this church. By his grace, and only by his grace. Because right. left unto me, we know I can screw it up. <laughs> As can you. So the question is, do you want to go? Do you want to go away as well? As you look at your relationship with Jesus today, and in this series, we're going we're gonna to go through different aspects of it. As you look at your life of rubbing the, the, the bottle, Remember this story and what Jesus said. Because it's hope. It's hope. It's so good. It's so good. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.